0: Hey, good morning, Graceway Church. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Adam Fagenkella, and I'm an elder here at Graceway Community Church. I'm excited to be here with you this morning uh, as you're in your home groups um, looking to uh, get into this week's readings as we wrap up the ending of chapter 4 in the book of Daniel and look read up into the beginning of chapter 9. Um, I hope you're enjoying. Uh, Daniel, you know, for me, one of the biggest um, lessons that I have learned reading through Daniel and studying through Daniel is understanding how important this book was to the first-century Christians, and and how important and vital that the Book of Daniel was to Jesus Himself. Um, you know, I wanted to focus in on Daniel chapter seven today uh, because Daniel chapter seven. Is something that is referenced by Jesus and his followers throughout the Bible uh, and especially Jesus when it comes to him describing and explaining to people who he is you know one of the first things I, I wanted to talk about is you know what helped me read through the book of Daniel is understanding the type of literature that we're reading so you know in the Bible we see biblical narrative which is a story of you know we have a a plot a setting um, characters and we see this narrative of you know this story of people the Israelites you know and we've we've read we're reading this throughout the Bible uh, and seeing how they align in history and 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 how their stories evolve from generation to generation the other type of literature that we see in the biblical text is poetry poetry makes up a huge section uh, think of the psalms the song of psalms um, and even throughout the prophets isaiah i mean there's so many poetic languages uh, poetic types of literature and but what we see in daniel is we see a little bit of this biblical narrative and then in daniel 7 it takes a hard turn uh, so we've seen dreams and visions up until this point Uh, But from Daniel 7 throughout the rest of the the book we see it's saturated with what we would call Apocalyptic literature now that word apocalypse, you know to us and in a modern definition is always referred to the end so when we think of the apocalypse we think, oh, this is the end. I think of the movie Left Behind with Kurt Cameron. Uh, I watched it as a kid and it really messed me up because I thought the world was just gonna end. (laughs) So I'm like, why do I need a high school degree? Uh, The world's gonna end. Um, So it filled me with uh, some wrong ideas uh, when I was like, no, you still need to uh, pay attention in school. Um, (laughs) So, but this word apocalypse, does not mean the end it's not about the end times. All right, what the word means in the biblical story It means to uncover to unveil. So if I had a sheet, this is a computer If I had a sheet or a tablecloth over this computer And I removed it in a dramatic gesture. I would say Apocalypse or tada <laughs> uh, Because I am uncovering it. I am revealing what's under this tablecloth or under this sheet uh so let let me read a couple verses to help us understand the word apocalypse in the biblical text and to help us understand how to approach these types of apocalyptic literature which is these dreams these visions these images Uh, in matthew chapter 11 verse 25 through 27 jesus says at that time jesus declared i thank you father so this is jesus prayer of thanksgiving And so my prayer for us today is this same prayer that Jesus made, that he may apocalypse us as we look into these scriptures in Daniel chapter 7 and reveal to us more and more of who he is. You know, one of the things that I really like to focus on when reading through the scriptures, sometimes God is stirring something in your hearts and he apocalypses something to you. And it may be, it may seem small or we oh that's just a silly idea. Uh, but oftentimes when he is revealing things or details, what's our response? You know, I've heard people say, Oh, that's just that's just head knowledge. You don't need you don't need to know those things. Those you know it's not it's 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 not relevant. It's not practical. But when we look through this apocalyptic literature, through these revelations of God through these uncoverings, we see a common response. And the common response that we see when God uncovers something, when God reveals something, is a choice that you and I have to make today, in this moment. For those who have ears, let, let, let's listen. Like really listen. <laughs> For those who have eyes, let's see. And those things and those responses, when we are able to see those things, apocalypse to us. Is simply worship. Worship of God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, who chose you and I to reveal these things to. And that's Jesus' prayer. He's thanking God for not revealing himself to those who call themselves wise, but to those who approach him as little children. So let's look at Daniel chapter 7 uh, in those eyes. <laughs> so Daniel 7 is a supercharged summary of the Bible. Um, and it's packed with this dense biblical imagery. And when I say a summary of the Bible, I mean we see in it almost like this Genesis narrative combined with a Revelation narrative, and this beginning and the end. So let me, let me take it back a little. So one of the first things that we see, I'm just going to give you an overview summary, is these beasts that represent these kingdoms of men. So we see here in these in this story. Images of beasts that are kingdoms of men oppressing and devouring others for their own gain. In Genesis chapter 4 verse 7, this is God speaking to Cain. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it So God is warning Cain And giving Cain an image of sin Crouching like a beast Ready to consume And we do know Cain's choice that he made And and he chose to succumb to the beast And became like a beast And killed his brother Abel Okay And so now we see this meta this sin growing growing and then multiplied into these kingdoms that are oppressing and killing others the second thing uh image that i wanted to pull out and and really highlight is this term son of man so we see this figure so we see these beasts um you know i don't need to go through the list because it's in your bible and we can read them together in our groups But we see this image this figure the son of man So son of man is in Hebrew the word man is Adam son of Adam And what is that word referring to? It's just saying this human this Son of human son of man. It's it's we're human beings humankind But there's something special about this human something that sets this human apart if you look in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 uh this is during the curse after the fall Uh, god declares i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel and so we see here in genesis this image of a seed of eve or a son of adam bruising the head of a beast or a serpent and while not only bruising the head, but also being bit by this serpent. And so God is declaring that a son of Eve, son of Adam, a human from the line of Eve, will trample this beast, but also be struck by it. And in Daniel chapter 7, that's what we see. We see these beasts trampling the holy ones and the son of man being trampled as well. But what happens, it doesn't end with the Son of Man suffering and being trampled by these kingdoms. We see that even though he is trampled, he is lifted up and given dominion. So let's look at um, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. And then I'm going to jump through the other Son of Man image that we see in verses 13 and 15. In Daniel 7, verse 9, it says, I kept looking into Thrones were set up. I wanted to highlight that there's not one throne. He's saying thrones, So there's more than one. And the ancient of days took his seat. Ancient of days, we see God the Father, the creator, the Alpha, the Omega, uh, the one who was in the beginning and the end, (laughs) everlasting, everlasting Almighty God. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire this chariot mobile throne, which is pretty cool. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were serving him and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. That's 10 thousands upon 10 thousands. And the court convened and the books were opened. Uh, So we see this judgment, you know, the books were open. He's ready to reconcile the account. (laughs) He's ready to balance the checkbook. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, uh, Daniel says, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one, like a son of man, was coming, and he came up. So he is exalted. He came up to the ancient days and was presented before him. And to him he was given dominion, honor, and a kingdom, so that all people, nations, and populations in all languages might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Excuse me. Um, So I wanted to highlight a couple of, I wanted to jump from that text. So this is Daniel 7, and this, like I said, this book of Daniel is important to Jesus and his followers and to the first century Christians um, because Jesus Uses this term son of man more than any other term to describe who he is in his ministry Jesus rarely ever refers to himself as the Messiah or the Christ Messiah Christ is the same word in different Christ is the uh, Greek version of Messiah and both words you know, Christ is not the last name <laughs> uh, uh, But both words mean the anointed one in in the in the Jewish culture, the high priest was the anointed one. Okay, but this word and term anointed one is specifically looking towards someone in the line of David. So most of the priests come from the line of the Levites and who's the anointed one. So it's this image of this priestly king, someone who is the high priest and also a royal line. So it's this priest king that they are waiting for. Um, but Jesus rarely talks about himself as a Messiah, but he's constantly referring to himself as the Son of Man. So I want to kind of just pick out a couple of verses. So in Mark chapter two, uh, verse five through 11, we see one of, one of the ways that Jesus uses that term. Uh, and this is the story of the paralyzed man that is lowered through a roof. So Jesus is teaching in a room and it's jam packed. And this group of friends want their friends wants this paralyzed man to get healed and they can't get in. So they cut a hole in the roof uh, so that they can lower him down. And so this is Jesus uh, in Mark chapter two, verse five. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and thinking it over in their hearts. And they said, why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins except God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were thinking that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man, Daniel 7 image, boom, in your head, uh, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And So we see here Jesus flexing Daniel 7 uh, to these scribes. These are scribes, they're students, um, they're theologians, they are in the temple studying the Torah, the scrolls. They know very intimately what Jesus is tying himself to in this declaration of him being the Son of Man. This is something that is triggering Daniel 7 to them. you know, another thing I wanted to highlight, so that's just Jesus flexing the Son of Man in his authority. The other thing that Jesus uses to describe the Son of Man um is how he must suffer. More awesome. about his suffering is the story of James and John in Mark chapter ten, verse thirty-five to forty-five. It says, uh, you know, they went up to him and they said, Hey, teacher, teacher, we, we want to ask you for a favor. And then Jesus goes and replies, Okay, what what do you want? What are you asking? Uh, and they say, Hey, in verse thirty six. First um, 37 they said to him grant that we may sit one on your right hand and one on your left in your glory Verse 38 but Jesus said to them you do not know what you are asking uh, Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized? So Jesus is saying hey, you don't know what you're asking to sit at my right and my left when I am exalted Okay, so there's two guys James and John asking to be exalted with Christ on his right and his left. And he said to them, uh, but to sit on my right or my left is not mine to give, but it is for those who for whom it has been prepared. Who has it been prepared to be exalted to the left and to the right of Jesus? Um, we'll go into that in this next example because when the Son of Man is exalted, He's not exalted in the terms um, that we would we would relate to. Uh, let me finish that actually, because in in verse 42, uh, that verse calling them to himself, Jesus said, "You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles domineer." So he's talking about the ways that men rule like beasts and oppress. Uh, Over them and their people in high position exercise authority over them But it is not this way among you rather whoever wants to become prominent among you shall be your servant And whoever wants to be first among you shall be slave of all for even the son of man did not come to be served But to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Okay now this this last verse uh, so remember this is apocalyptic this is revelation and so this literature in daniel 7 what i'm what i'm trying to do here by looking at some of these very familiar verses of the gospel and the way that jesus uses to define himself i want to look through it through the apocalyptic lens of daniel 7 to see these verses from a new light from a new way uh that i believe jesus is communicating to you and i and then we have a choice so in Matthew 26 verse 62 and 68 this is my favorite um favorite son of man declaration because Jesus talks about him being exalted. So this is when Jesus is uh in in the in the priestly courtyard he's been arrested, uh he's standing trial. And so verse 62 it says the high priest stood up and said to him do you offer no answer for what these men are testifying against you? So they were talking about how Jesus had made comments of the destroying the temple and in three days to be rebuilt, speaking of himself, um, but also forecasting the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. 63, but Jesus kept silent and the high priest said to him, I place you under oath by the living God to tell us whether you are the Christ, the son of God. So are you, are you, are you the son of God? Are you the Messiah? Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Verse 65, Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of any witnesses? See, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered. He deserves death. So you see here in this, Very moment Jesus activates Daniel chapter 7 he says now I want to emphasize it again he says but I tell you from now on from this moment from this moment and he is in the midst of his trial ready to die and to be exalted where on the cross be between two people that has already been prepared remember James <laughs> and John asking to sit at his right and who it and at his left, who's at his right and his left when he's exalted. It's the two thieves, the rebels. It's the rebels. Those are the people that were prepared. So Jesus is looking at the cross as the exaltation of his kingdom, as his throne, as the moment where he's exalted, as the moment where Daniel 7 uh, comes to life. Let me read that again in light of that statement. And he says, And I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Verse 14, And to him was given dominion, honor, and a kingdom, so that all peoples, nations, and populations of all languages might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. I hope you guys have a a great discussion uh, this week in your home groups, and I pray that uh, some of these things that were shared help trigger uh, more insight, more revelation, and that we use this revelation, these apocalypse things, to worship God today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your revelation. I thank you for your word. Uh, your truth, who you are, exalted and lifted up, the Son of Man, to whom all power and dominion is given to you. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your glory, your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.